discuss the ups, downs, and sideways of the sport of figure skating and maybe give you plus five GOE along the way. This week's hosts are Iman, Kite, Kat, and Lo. All right. Woo! Woo! Yay! We're here. Second episode. Second episode, baby. <laughs> Episode number two. This week's episode is on commentary and also iconic programs. So we'll be talking about some of our favorite programs since the year 2000 or so. This week's episode might be a little bit different from the last one just because of a very distinct lack of international accents. And considering the number of people that responded saying that they couldn't tell Lay and Evie apart, I'm a little concerned. (laughs) about yeah yeah we're all pretty generic american too yeah sorry about that guys we apologize really truly we will rectify that in future episodes but we thought we'd do just a quick little intro so that maybe you could just familiarize yourself with our voices um all right so my name's iman i'm an 18 year old gremlin who knows what an axis is i'm kite i'm 21 i'm in new york and i use my stem degrees to yell about figure skating protocols i'm kat I'm a 23-year-old Chicago implant. I'm originally from New York. I work as a lab technician, and yet I spend most of my free time screaming about figure skating. I'm Lo, I'm 27, and I'm a teacher in the Midwest. I have been crying about Michelle Kwan's spirals since 1998. We're just gonna start off by quickly summarizing some of the biggest news from like the past few weeks. And there's a lot to cover, but we don't really have a lot of time. So, I mean, we're just gonna, you know, list a couple of them. Um, okay, so last weekend, Yuna Kim skating for the first time since 2014 at All That Skate. The queen, back at it again. Amazing. She looked so beautiful. Her costumes completely, they're so gorgeous. Like I every just, single one. She could wear a paper the, bag and look amazing. Oh but God. the pictures didn't do her justice when you saw her, like when you actually saw her perform. It was like, I know. oh. It's like an bless angel. the Korean fan cams. Thank yes. you. Yes. God bless fan cams. God Korean bless fans fan are amazing. Cams. They're the amazing. Quality. Oh, so. Beautiful. I was amazed. I was like, this it, isn't professional. I don't believe that. Honestly, yeah. they they have better you know footage than some actual you know networks. But I mean, oh. hey, we'll get most of them. them. Yeah. They don't abuse. They don't have a sky cam there. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's we're, true. We're spared the sky cam for now. Someone brings a drone into the. <laughs> All right, next piece of news, um, Aliona Savchenko to coach the Kinerums, um, who left Delilah Sappenfield. Pretty interesting. I will be very fascinated. Aliona is, um, she's a tough cookie. It could, it could go either way, honestly. Like, I could 100% imagine Aliona, like, like, jumping over the board, screaming at the judges, and like... Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what we need. That's what the sport needs. I want to see that. I want to see someone fight the judges. It's going to be great. <laughs> and I think it really shows a um, commitment from the Canarums that they really want to solidify themselves as mm-hmm. the top U.S. pairs team. And they're, they're not going to quit, even though they've had a rough season. They're going to keep going. And I think that's really admirable. Yeah. A lot of respect to them. Um, okay. Uh, third piece of news. Tarasova and Marzov, another pair. They're leaving Nina Moser to work with Maxim Trankov, which is really interesting considering... Trankov and Velocijar were like Aliona and Robin's biggest rivals for like an entire quad. It's that's I feel like that's the best way you could yeah, say it it's, is it's interesting. fascinating. And also because Trankov's working with um I think he's working with um 
Robin Zolkowicz. So we'll have to, we'll just have to wait and see what this brings about, you know? Yeah. The outcomes for this. Very interesting. I hope they get better packaging. They, I do not want to see another Candyman from them. Oh like, my god, please. don't. <laughs> they deserve better. They're very talented. They're really solid in a lot of their elements. Let's hope they get good programs because Candyman made me want to wrench my eyes out. It was just awful. I can't believe we ended both the Olympics and Worlds with Candyman. Like, uh, it's, that's, that just, it's not a good way to end. It's not a good way to end. The last piece of news. Um, so yesterday, the ISU released proposals for updated element-based values and scale of values and level guidelines for singles and pairs. Ooh. Um, oof. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Oof. yeah. We're not going to get too into it because... Um, we don't have enough time, and also next week's episode, they're gonna dive into that more. We'll wait for the Congress to actually happen before we say anything definitive about that. We thought we'd also mention that the ISU Congress um, is running from June 4th to 8th, and it'll be live-streamed on the official ISU Skating YouTube channel, uh, which will be a lot of fun. I think all of us are going to be watching that. It might be a drinking game. Maybe. Maybe not. We'll see. We'll see. It could. It could. Oh, that could be dangerous, actually. Let's not that do that. Be. Don't drink and watch the ICU Congress, guys. Well, not so much. License to kill, more license to thrill. Now, for our next segment, we will be talking about commentary. First of all, we'd like to acknowledge that commentary is a super difficult thing to do. It's hard to make the balance between pleasing longtime fans and more casual fans who might just be checking in for big competitions like Nationals or the Olympics or Worlds. So it's it's not easy, folks. It's very difficult. You can you you can cut them some slack, but then again, there's some things that you just sort of can't forget. I forgive. think the important thing is that like we don't want to paint commentary specifically as like uniformly bad or good. Like I know that we all probably have a couple of commentaries, a, a couple of commentators that. We're like, uh, we don't really want to listen to them or like we're not a huge fan of like maybe the way that they express their opinions or like their opinions, the opinions themselves. But everyone messes up and says stuff wrong, but, you know, they might have some insight in other aspects. So we do want to be fair to those people like not everyone is perfect. Like even commentators that I like. Everyone, everyone always met someone, you know, people are mm-hmm. bound to mess up. And you know, sometimes you might just not like a person because of their voice or sometimes it's like, oh, they said this thing and you might yeah. have a bias against that person. Mm-hmm. So you just have to find, either you don't watch it without commentary, you watch it without commentary, or you know, you find that one pair of commentators who are, you know, perfect for you. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to strike that balance, I think. We do have to acknowledge that commentators have a difficult job in that they are catering to their own specific audiences. Like, you know, um, they're catering to their own specific, like, nation's audiences. So it might sound biased to people that are not in that country. Um, but, I mean, ultimately, they're TV commentators who want to make money for their network. So I mean, it's their job to sell a product, and the product is the skaters from their home nation. Assuming this is kind of a national broadcaster, right? So it's their job to sell certain narratives that the feds are pushing. That's what they do. It's their job. Yeah. So you know, and you can be upset with it. You can not like that narrative, but it's it's how it is. It's you know the. If you don't like it, then find a different commentator. Also, bias is, you know, it's bound to happen because it's human nature. Sometimes 
you might like a skate you know it could be very blatant when they like a skater again versus mm -hmm. when they don't like a skater and that's you know it's not a good it's not nice hearing that like one second they're just praising one skater to high heaven and then sort of ignoring another one they're like oh no they're great but this other skater wow they're amazing and they're gonna rule the world and whatnot so it it, it can be annoying but it's sort of understandable i guess yeah it's human nature. Every we all have our own biases and non-favorites, for lack of a better term. And it's natural that commentators are that as well. Although, of course, it should be their job to have some measure of subjectivity, but or objectivity, excuse me. But that human bias is still going to creep in. I think that's okay to a certain degree. Yeah. It's a problem when they're just blatantly ignoring certain flaws or are overly criticizing a skater while brushing off another. Yeah, it's like important to remember that commentators are kind of like a new viewer's gateway to figure skating exactly, in a yeah. way. Because mm -hmm. when you tune in, like if you're a new fan, like chances are you don't really know what's going on with the sport. And it's like a really technical sport. And so you really rely on the commentators to like ease you slowly into that and to explain like what's actually happening on the ice i agree and that's why it's so important i guess to address this because yeah. that can really make or break like viewership which mm -hmm. is let's be honest not doing super great in the u.s like in the 90s and even the early 2000s figure skating was on tv like every weekend like they show nationals maybe like the the last group or two groups of worlds the olympics and that's that's pretty much it for the year. Like you don't really get live it, it's events. It's disappointing. Anymore. It's disappointing because you have people who want to be able to see all these competitions, but it's like if they're if they're they're not getting any traction, then you know what's the point? You know, if there's no money in it, what's the point? Their job exactly. to make money. Yeah. They're trying to they're chasing the money, and unfortunately, it's not a money generating sports. Also, another as to what Kite was saying for newer fans or people who are you know more casual, it's it's it can be very helpful. Um, because, you know, uh, uh, sometimes you may watch and you think, oh, you know, this person, they're doing amazing. And then, like, the commentator says, oh, no, they did this wrong or they did that wrong. Or this, you know, this, their, you know, their technical score is going to be high because of this or it's going to be low because of that. And they, like, say, for example, they say the jump, they'll be like, oh, that's a quad saw. And then you'll be like, oh, that's what it looks like. And right. you're just not, you're not going to think, oh, everything is a triple axle because everything was a triple axle in the beginning for yeah. everyone. Um, but yeah, that's like, that's a good point. Um, bringing out, um, the commentators jobs are kind of to highlight what is important, what you're supposed to be watching in figure skating, just because yeah, from like an outsider perspective, figure, figure skating is pretty technical. And for the most part, everyone looks similar, like they're all skating on the ice, but you know, talking about skating skills, jumps, all of those things, like they don't really mean anything to most new viewers and yeah and it, it's also a matter of like you know most commentators have to also like balance simplifying figure skating terminology you know for the sake of these casual viewers but also trying to be as edu you know just being as informative as possible without overloading for people who are interested in learning it yeah sometimes like some um technical aspects trying to explain that it's going to take a lot longer and it would be like if they went into that like people who don't know much about figure skating would be completely lost and that that would be off-putting for them it would be like oh you know what's the point of me watching if i can't understand what they're saying also i feel like um because a lot of um 
new viewers tend to focus in on jumps, especially for singles and pairs. Um, that's what the commentators also tend to highlight as well. You know, they tend to point out a lot of the jumps, um, you know, mentioning whether or not someone did well with the jump, I guess. Um, but at the same time, because you're a new viewer sometimes and you don't know what's important figure two and you just think the jumps are the only thing that's important without highlighting the other aspects of figure skating that, you know, make it more complete, not just jumping. So I think that um, my personal favorite commentators are like some of the ice dancers in the U.S., like Tan, Charlie, and Ben. They all do a really good job. I think um, they're constructive and they're informative at the same time, but they don't always just focus in on the jumps. You know, they kind of focus on a lot of the other aspects like skating skills, musicality, um, th that kind of thing. If they manage to keep things very positive as well, they, they'll be critical of skaters when they mess up, but in a way that is constructive and, and informative to the viewer. So they, it's, it's just very, it's very pleasant as a viewer to me at right. least. I don't like it when they just pile on certain skaters. Like we know that they messed up if they fall four times. Like you don't need to go over, you don't need to go over and over and again. Maybe explain why they might have fallen. Like where where did they go wrong? What was their access crooked? Et cetera, et cetera. It's distracting when they just they start you know spewing negative comments like oh you know they they did this. like instead of informing how they could have you know possibly made the jump or what was what might be the reasoning behind them falling they just sort of start criticizing them for missing that jump it's like oh he's gonna lose so many points for this you know is he gonna be able to make this or that and it's like like okay why are they losing points you know like what went wrong going into the jump could you please tell us instead of just saying they're a disaster yeah instead of you know instead of belittling the skater for their mistakes they should just mm -hmm. you know be more subjective and be like oh you know this is what happened Exactly. And this is, you know, they still have this left in their program, you know. Yeah, that's why I think like the the TES box that they're putting kind of like in the top corner yes. of the broadcast is so is a good, good thing. I think it is, and it like goes the in one like for real time. Yeah. The the one for worlds, amazing. I like that you can see like the element names and then the GOE and everything. That's so. very. That's so. I feel like that is that is going to be so helpful for newer yep. fans, and that's yep. why newer fans like this year have been able to like grasp onto elements so fast because you have that there and you're, you're able to say oh so that's what they're doing and then you're able to follow along with the sport and not just sit there you know with your mouth open like what is going on just expecting the commentators to tell you everything which they can't i mean they can't do that so it's, yeah. it's really nice like i didn't really learn the jumps until like 2007 because we just didn't have the technology back then which sounds like i'm talking about the stone age but 2006 was the stone age it might as well be you know i feel like it's also easier on the commentators to have that tes boss because you don't have to be like oh beautiful quad sal or like you know like you don't have to keep naming out all of the elements um if they're already being shown to you in real time and like it is an issue of like when should you be talking during a figure during a figure skating program like at what point do you step back and just let the program speak for itself yeah there's some commentators who speak at the worst times like you're trying to uh, oh like you're gosh. trying to focus on a program and like the music is the music is beautiful the skater they're really into it and you're like watching them express themselves you know through you know, figure skating, and then you yeah. just have this voice just going, 
talking about the most irrelevant stuff. This is and what the it, person liked when they were 10. It, yeah, they're just like... <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, really, it's I don't so, need to hear about this right it's now. It's so annoying. The bantering, like... Oh, yeah, no, no. Random banter during programs is one of my pet peeves. Like, I just absolutely hate it. There's no point in making jokes. Like, that's not what we're here for. Yeah. That's not what we're here for. And, like, I, I feel like it's, it's especially difficult when the commentary is, like, in a different language... So a lot of oh, people yeah. watching don't even know what they're saying, but they're just, they're talking a lot. And yeah. it's like, <laughs> honestly, like shout out to the fans who go to the trouble of translating that commentary yeah, for the rest of us. For sure. Thank you. You guys thank are you. amazing. Yeah. You guys are thank awesome. You, thank you. Um, yeah. I mean, like I sometimes like watch the, the Russian um, YouTube videos. Like if I need to see replays, like after like performances that I've missed and Man, some of the Russian commentators, like Tarasover, she just she just goes off. She really loves to talk through programs. <laughs> Even though I have no idea what to, Like, what are I you know, saying? I love that you can hear her in, like, other people's, like, commentary. Like, in the CBC commentary, you can hear her yelling in the background. <laughs> Iconic. Like, uh, what is she saying? What is going on in her brain? I just, I would pay to know. I feel like with some commentators, they have so much enthusiasm and emotion. I love and it. Like, even if you may not understand what they're saying, you're enjoying it because you're just like, you know what? I feel that's the same thing. Because in some, sometimes commentators get choked up or they, they start like laughing hysterically because they're like, oh, this is so amazing. How are they doing this? And you, you know, you feel that emotion with them because you're mm -hmm. like, you know what? Me too, man. Honestly, I just like commentators that you can tell enjoy their job and they, they care about right. the sport they're talking mm -hmm. about because honestly, in some other sports that I follow, the commentators do not care. They don't care about learning the rules. They don't care about the athletes. And it's incredibly frustrating as a viewer to watch. So what's one of the things I'd look for in figure skating commentators? Do you care about the sport you're following? And most of them do to their credit. Pretty much all right. of them do. Mm -hmm. But in some other sports, that's not the case. Speaking about not caring about the sport, uh, some commentators do not care about getting pronunciations right, and that is oh. such a big pet peeve. Oh it's my god. so annoying, because sometimes, like, Shoma Uno is not a hard <laughs> name. It's four really. syllables, y'all. It's, it's not four a syllables. Real, like, I feel like it's the bare minimum. Not only that, but like, sometimes it's just so infuriating when the commentator gets the name wrong, after hearing it over the speakers you know what i mean it's just so jarring like you did you not just listen to them say the name you're doing this deliberately it's and sometimes the pronunciations are it's not even a pronunciation oh they just God. create a completely new name yeah like freaking like, yazunori that was <laughs> yazunori. Like, yeah. syllables that didn't exist kite and i definitely feel in that solidarity that chinese name solidarity though like the chi the poor chinese names like Listen, we're not too picky. I think we're not too picky, but like saying Han Han Song, like even acknowledging that like the C is not like a hard K sound, like that is the bare minimum. Like shout out to Terry Gannon, who's so far the only one. I'm not sure. Like correct me if I'm wrong, but like Terry Gannon so far is the only commentator that I've heard actually make an attempt at his name. I don't think anyone expects him to get it perfectly because yeah. it's it is a different language, but you know, yeah. at least do your research. Like Wikipedia can help his you. His name like, is not Hong Kong. Please exactly. Yeah, Hong Kong. Kong. That's, that's 
Amazing. <laughs> city. That is a city that is not a name. Sui Wenjing. Oh. oh boy. You know, I feel bad because I always thought her name was Sui, and I was like, oh, it's not. When you find out later on, I f- and that's misleading towards newer fans too. You're not a commentator. You're not getting paid. You're not getting paid to read these people's names. Yeah, you should like yeah do your research. It's the bare minimum. Like also, it's just like you know disrespectful to just any person you know to not at least make an attempt. Like, imagine you're going off to, you know, skate and you're like nervous and you're like, you know, I have to do this. And then they go, oh, they completely butcher your name. And that's just so off putting. It's just like, yeah, it's just like insult injury. It, Not really, it but really like. It is. It's like, oh, great. They don't know how to say my name. And some of the names they like mispronounce, like Javier, that's not a hard name. No. It's not a hard mm-hmm. name. And then it's just like Javier. <laughs> what are Javier. you doing? It's and it's not even like it's an accent thing because it's like at least respect the accent that the name is coming from. Like it's a Spanish name. Don't turn it into an English thing. That's that, that's just something that bothers me personally. Yeah. But you know. Yeah, just in general, I think that commentators should be held accountable for you know doing proper research. You know, just like even even things like mentioning injuries or you know other extraneous circumstances around skaters i mean most do but sometimes they skip it and like those kinds of small things like even minor injuries like they do provide a lot of context for someone's performance if you don't know who they are personally i also think it's important that they should mention any conflicts of interest for example if they coach any skaters who are currently performing or if they've ever trained with them in the past or choreographed for them in the past Sometimes that does not get mentioned, and you can tell there's a, there's a difference in the commentary. Some are able to keep it professional, some are not. Yeah, and like the thing is that like I'm always conflicted about this because coaches and skaters are pretty common knowledge, so maybe they just assume that people know it and that they don't have to mention it. Um, I know that like Carol Lane has mentioned like offhand that she coaches Piper and Paul. Um, but I don't remember if like Tracy Wilson ever mentioned. No, it. she hasn't. She I don't hasn't, think she right? has. Yeah, but she commentates them all the time, and it's just a casual thing. It um, is, but it should be like, oh, you know. Yeah. That's my skater right there. For casual fans, I think it might still like be a good idea just for this to be mentioned because you can't expect them to know like you know who's coaching, like which skater is coached by which coach or whatever. That's true. That's true. If they do say, oh, this is my skater the viewer might be like, oh, they might have a bit of bias in this, you know? Uh, it might be like, oh, you know, that's their skater, so they might just be, like, a little more low-key and be like, you know, you know, that's fine. But actually, no, because if they're their coach, they'll be more critical about it. So obviously the things that we dis- that we like the least in our commentators is genuinely and truly problematic behavior. Mm-hmm. For example, questioning the gender of skaters is not okay making extremely stereotypical and racist comments about a skater's nationality is also not okay. Yeah, there's some pretty terrible uh, and egregious examples of like racism and sexism in commentary. And I mean, not only does it cast a really awful negative light on the skaters themselves, but like also on the sport, you know? It does, it does. Because this is is supposed to be like, it, people say oh, it's more of an accepting sport and then you see the commentators saying such awful nasty things and you're like mm, is it really though yeah and also because i feel like sometimes figure skating does 
have some negative stereotypes, you know, like, you know, a lot of male figure skaters face a lot of negative stereotypes. Um, and then to hear commentators, you know, people that are deemed experts in this sport, you know, reinforce the stereotypes. It's just the impression that the viewers are going to have as well. It, and it's, it's, it's something like they have, I guess they don't have a right to sort of question something like, oh, what's their sexuality or what's their gender? They, 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 it's not, they shouldn't have an input in that because that's not what they're commentating. They're commentating on the performance. They're skating. Yeah. And the perf- for them to, you know, come in and say, and, you know, make rude, you know, egregious comments about a skater, about something that has nothing to do with their skate, it's disrespectful, it's rude, and it's unnecessary. And, and it's, it's professional, too. It's, it's ultimately uninformative. And the point of a commentator really is to, like, be informative about figure skating. Exactly. And to tell us what's going on on the ice, and that's just not... It's not relevant at all, and... As well as the skater, and that's that's the ultimate sin as a commentator, in my opinion. Some, you know, you see some examples of what, you know, some commentators say, and you just think, how did they get away with this? Because they just... It's, like, disgust. It's disgusting because it's, you know, homophobic, it's sexist, it's transphobic, and... you don't need this from Mm -hmm. a commentator that's not their job it doesn't do anything to advance figure skating viewership around the world um perpetuating awful negative stereotypes or even like um lies about skaters and you know those kinds of things or bringing in like scandals and stuff Mm. or like rumors not scandals rumors yeah rumors just gossip petty gossip it's completely unnecessary and uh, it's not, has nothing it's, to do with the sports. Oh, it's, oh, this skater is, this skater might be gay, this skater might be this, this might, like, that doesn't matter in that if you're really trying to fill in the time for, you know, while you're commentating, just don't say anything. Just, you know, let the viewer enjoy the skate. And to be fair, I think that the vast majority of commentators are overwhelmingly positive about skaters and about the sport. Don't make it personal. Yeah, it's not like a personal attack or anything, but, you know, any, these kinds of egregious comments, like, they do exist. Like, we're not going to pretend that they don't exist. Yeah, it's hard to talk about commentary without talking about things like this. And it's not even, sometimes it's not even, like, the really, really um, blatantly sexist stuff. Like, you know, some of the stuff that was said about, like, Johnny Weir. But, like, you know, just even offhand comments that sound kind of vaguely... Um, the skater's a man's man kind of thing. Right, or 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 saying stuff like, you know, Japanese skaters tend to portray wilting flowers. Like, that's like um, It's such a stereotypical and just exactly. like downright racist thing to say. It's just, it just makes you scratch your head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just makes you go, mm, mm, no. It, exactly. It, it, makes, it makes you feel uncomfortable because you're like, that's that's not right. That's it's not, not, it's not accurate. It's, mm-hmm. it's not accurate at all. Right. It's very tired. It shows that they didn't do their, their research. Right. If you're going to tell me, you know, Waka, you know, Wakaba Higuchi is a wilting flower, I'm going <laughs> like, to uh, yeah, Skyfall would like a word with you. And tell you, are you, are you blind? Well, that Cause... comment that I was mentioning was actually during Wakaba's Skyfall. And which like... is what, which is no, why no, no. I'm it was so... like, it was like, um, most Japanese ladies 
or portray wilting flowers and it's nice to see Wakaba portray someone strong. Like we haven't seen oh, someone like her boy. since Yondo. Oh. <laughs> oh, uh, Malasada would like a word with you. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> My thoughts, exactly. Oh. Um, but like like I said, the, the majority of commentary I think is constructive and it is informative. Um, but obviously there are some, you know, improvements. Like I personally do still learn a lot from commentators. Like I think ice dance is probably one of the more abstract. Definitely. I need dis- it. Disciplines. Yeah. Definitely one of the more abstract disciplines um, to watch. Like my mom was watching the team event um, short dance and she was texting me like, oh, I thought that this program was like really good. And then the commentator was like, nope, she did this wrong and this wrong and this wrong. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. Ice dance on its own is really hard to interpret though, because yeah, you see these, you know, you see these skaters Thank and you, gliding. Thank you, White. <laughs> I love her. You see these skaters floating around and you're like, this is so beautiful. Yeah. I love it. It's so graceful. And then you, you know, hear the commentators just saying, oh, this is, this is disrespectful to the sport. To what are they doing? <laughs> you're, just, you're just sitting there like, oh, never mind. I respect Tanith a lot, actually, just because, um, I mean, she's pretty constructive to everyone, but she's not afraid to voice her opinions as well. Like, I remember, like, during the free dance, Virtue and Moira got like a level two on their rumba, and she was explaining that like Tessa didn't had a flat Choctaw, um, and the judges may have called it, so they got a level two, but she couldn't see it from her angle. So you know, those kinds of things are really, really informative. So I respect to her. Like genuinely insightful stuff. Like, and it's very necessary for me as someone who doesn't know ice dance as well as pairs and singles. It's just, it's super good to have that level of expertise for ice dancing in particular. And it just gives you, like, background knowledge, and you're just able to sort of keep it with you for the next time when you're watching. You're like, oh, I can call that out. I know what they're talking about now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. One judge has them second. Should be carried off and uh, spanked. And now we're going to talk about some of the most iconic programs from 2000 and beyond. Yeah, and like, so we each picked one program from each discipline, which meant a lot of our faves got cut. But for the interest of time, like, we know that we didn't get everyone's favorite programs on this list. And, you know, we're sorry in advance, but, you know, we had to we had to limit it. Iconic is a pretty loaded term. So it's it's more because, you know, obviously everyone has figure skating is subjective. So. Our, our our favorite programs might not be yours and you know that's perfectly fine because you know everyone has their own opinion um my program for the ladies was unikim's 2010 uh, olympic free skate gershwin rhapsody and f oh man i have so many favorite uni programs like i was picking between this one and also dance macabre but then i ended up picking gershwin just because I just think that this particular piece of music, it's just so incredibly abstract, which I think makes it so much harder to interpret. And yet I love it so much. I'm usually not such a huge fan of really, really abstract music, but Yuna skating to it, it like just highlights her musicality and her incredible interpretation skills so well. Like she just sells every moment and she just looks like she's freestyling through some of it. And you know, on top of doing some of the most difficult elements like the Ida Bauer into like the double axle, it, it's just amazing. 
it just really, and then considering the circumstances of that moment, you know, we talk about iconic programs in terms of like the program itself, but also in terms of like the circumstances, like why are they so well known through history? You know, maybe it's at the Olympics. It was like an Olympic moment. Like this was an Olympic moment for sure. You know, she was under One of so the best Olympic performances ever. I, yeah, it. I'm pretty sure that that's what Sandra Bezik said too, you know? It was, it, it genuinely was. It's one of the most memorable for me. She had so much pressure on her. She was the unanimous favorite going in. She had her entire country watching her and she just delivered on the best possible. Oh, what a way to deliver. What right. a way to deliver. Yeah, I always thought that Yuna was like the definition of how technique lends itself to artistry. Like she had perfect jumps, gorgeous spins, and Textbook jumps. Textbook, yeah. Her opening triple Lutz, tri oh my. The height on her jumps is just phenomenal. She doesn't hesitate. It's, yeah. she, it's incredible. She really doesn't. That's another thing that I love about Yuna is that how seamless her skating is. Like you'll see, you know, it, it doesn't seem like this is choreographed. It just seems like she just got on the ice and it was just exactly. off the top of her head. And she's just going. Interpretation through the roof. It feels like she's painting on a blank canvas is the way mm -hmm. I, I view that program. I totally agree with that metaphor just because like the abstract nature of the music and then the way that she moves across the ice, you know. And to see her face at the end, like Yuna was always a pretty stoic competitor. You know, back in like the yeah, you but knew her that face was a at the big end. Big moment, yeah. Yeah, like just watching her finally break down was it's indescribable. Yeah. Still, still the benchmark to me for a 150 plus. Absolutely, like yeah, the scoring system has changed since then, but it holds up. It holds up. It held. It, it held up for six years, right? I feel like if she performed that today she would still have been able to, you know, hold up against the newer skaters. And that, that just shows how good she is, is that Timeless. if she went back into competition today, she would be able to hold up against these, you know, the newer Agreed. girls. And that's just so amazing. And I just love you now. I'm sorry. Okay, continue. <laughs> okay. No, I think we're good. <laughs> okay, so for the men, I chose Daisuke Takahashi's um, Swan Lake, aka Cyber Swan. Woo, yes. Yes. Basically, I could have, yeah, I could have chosen literally anything Dai ever did because he's just the best. But I went with Cyber Swan just because if there is one program that I love to show people who aren't really into skating, this is the one. It's so entertaining. It's so unique. The step sequence is obviously just it's iconic and there are two of them there's two different footwork sequences and they're both just he's a rock star he's just completely owns it it's so innovative there's never been like anything like it before there hasn't been anything like it since nobody could do that but him he's the king i love him that's something i love about his program is because it's like he, ha he added a variation a hip-hop asian variation a classic and he made it work it wasn't yeah. cringy because you see some programs where they try to you know mash in different types of music and it just doesn't work and you know his costume and just obviously <laughs> yeah, his his footwork. That, that was a lot it was a lot of Listen, costume. the hair the hair was amazing but it worked yeah, it worked so well yeah you don't see a lot of hip-hop in uh in figure skating, let alone hip hop, very yeah, a yeah, lot hip hop, hip -hop warhorse, like yeah, oh, amazing. Hip hop, like he literally remixed it with Beyonce. Like, God bless him, and he looks like a Johnny's idol. Yeah, just everything you can want. So entertaining, so genuinely good. His jumps are at his best at that point, in my opinion. And just his charisma, his charisma throughout Unparalleled. the whole performance. It's because 
I feel like had anyone else done that performance, it would have been so strange because he had that smug look in his face. He's just like, you know what? I know what I'm doing right now, and I know that I'm amazing you, and that just makes you enjoy the performance even more because it's just like, you know what? This dude is doing that, and no one else can do that. One of my favorite things about it is just the crowd. It's just they're just losing their mind like they're at a concert or something, and it's so cool. He just get, brings that reaction out of you. He was so special. It's so amazing because, you know what, honestly, if I was in that crowd, I would have lost it as well. Wouldn't we I all? Cried. He deserves it. He deserves every single thing. I also, yeah, he's the king of musicality. Um, whenever I, whenever someone asks for a definition of musicality in figure skating, I find it hard to say. So I'll just say, just watch a die program and you'll understand. He, he feels it. He feels it in every movement. So God bless him. I love him. My favorite pair of all time, everyone who you know knows me knows that they're my favorite pair of all time. It's Shen and Zhao. They're 2003 world champions, uh, world championship free skate to Turandot. It's like, you know, it's iconic. It's the OG Turandot, I think. Um, the best. Should have yeah. been retired after this, honestly. Yeah, honestly. Like, Except for Suzuka. Suzuka could, could skate through it too. True, true. But like, Shen and Zhao deserve a royalty every time it's skated too like no know. yeah 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 you got to credit them yeah no shen and Zhao are probably like the most iconic pair of the 2000s they were dominant for so long i mean it was basic this was the program that introduced me to pairs like when i was eight years old seven years old like i didn't know pairs was a discipline <laughs> until i saw shen and Zhao, and like they have such incredible chemistry. I mean, they did eventually get, end up getting married, but like this was even before they even started dating. So, um, but they were the mo I feel like they were one of the most complete pairs of the 2000s. Um, they had amazing throws, amazing musicality. Honestly, anyone who says that East Asian skaters are not expressive, like go watch that program and come back to me. Honestly, um, the quality wasn't even, the quality was not good. And I could still see that they were very expressive. It was like filmed on a potato and it's- It's so unfortunate because this was the same program that they used uh, like the previous year in 2002. And like, there's a, there's a high quality version of that video on That's YouTube. That's infuriating. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but like the program itself, like I really enjoyed that they use a unique music cut. Actually, they include the kind of Chinese influenced music in the middle of that um, in the middle of that track that people very rarely include. It allowed for a lot, a little bit more creativity with the choreography. Um, the lifts, so gorgeous. Again, I, I think that 6.0 lifts were a lot more aesthetically pleasing. I'm not really a huge fan of like the whole grabbing blades thing. I like the open look, you know, with the legs out. Agreed. You know, whatever. I'm not gonna get too salty about that. And then the Ness and Dorma part. Oh my God, gets me so. Oh, like, it gets that. Just the music gets me emotional. Honestly, yeah. You, as soon as the Ness and Dorma part hits, I feel like I get chills and I get emotional. And the crowd reaction. So beautiful. You can like, um, they start like applauding and they get like a standing ovation like 30 seconds before they even end. And you can hear them like once they finish the program, you can hear the the crowd chanting six 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 in the background and like this was in dc so it's not even a home it wasn't even like a hometown crowd you know um and like this skate this piece is like so legendary that sway and han like they used it for their olympic skate obviously and they even had to ask permission to skate to it and like and 
Zhao Hongbo said, yeah, okay, you can skate to it, but you have to skate to it better than we did. <laughs> so, and so that's why I didn't, I really didn't mind that Sway and Han were using it. I knew that this piece was so integral to the Chinese pair's legacy. And like, Wenjing said that she was inspired to skate by watching them skate Turin Dot in the 2002 Olympics. So, I mean, that just shows the magnitude. And like, before we even move on, I just want to quickly go on like a, a pair spiel just because they make me super emotional for like so many reasons. But their coach, um, Yao Bin, they were was the first ever Chinese pair skater and he learned to skate through photographs because, you know, China was censoring Western images and all that. So they really couldn't get a lot of material to learn. And like, he was bad. He was pretty bad. He went to Worlds three times in the 80s and placed dead last each time. It was really, really sad. Um, there were like stories about how they were like laughed off the ice and they were actually like really, really funny. Um, but after he retired, he was like, nope, screw that. I'm gonna turn China into a Paris powerhouse. And then 20 years later, they became, Shen and Zhao became the first Chinese pair to ever win an Olympic medal in Paris and the first to win a world title. So, you know, even though yes. even though the 2003 Worlds, where they won their second world title, um, is like the most uh, famous iteration, um, it's it feels like the culmination of all their hard work because they kind of messed up in 2002 a little bit. And I just really love the image of Yao Bin crying when they finish. It just it just really gets me. I just, and, when you see you know a grown man like that just cry oh, after seeing a performance, you're I'm, just like you I'm, know what yeah. this is beautiful this is amazing after what you see that performance and it's just you, you know you're blown away by first of all the chemistry between those two it's just like you know i'm not surprised that they got married but the, the use of music their musicality their you know the jumps the spins everything is just so it just the whole package was so just robust and you're like you know what this is mm -hmm. what paris skating should be like yep and that's saying something I have to say that this program also gave me my all-time favorite commentating moment when the British esports guys saw that one of the judges ranked them second in ordinals. He threatened to spank them. <laughs> they should be carried so, off in spanked. They should be carried yeah. off in spanked. They should be carried off so in spanked. So good. Got so it. good. You know what? Exactly. Not wrong, though. He's right. Completely He's right. right. Amazing. So, yeah, that's my favorite commentary moment ever. We'll probably never be topped because it's just the most accurate. So my favorite dance program is actually Davis and White's Scheherazade from the Sochi also, Olympics. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. They, I mean, they were dominant for two seasons, undefeated prior mm -hmm. to the Olympics. Mm -hmm. um, and just, I mean, from the very beginning, that opening curve lift, I think they said that they actually trained that for about two years before yep. they ever put in a program because it was that, that difficult. so crazy. It's, yeah. he grabs her by like the wrists and like, just lifts her, her like yeah <laughs> onto his back and they make it look i mean effortless like yeah. like you were saying and it's i mean again it's like she just flew into his you know yeah it's, it's amazing yeah I the mean, choreography they, in the beginning is also so gorgeous the like, changes in music are mm -hmm. really good i think mm -hmm. yeah. um also, yeah. Meryl looks like a Greek goddess. She does. She looks like Megara like from Hercules. She does. she does, yeah. Megara from Hercules. Charlie's also such a good performer. I feel like he gets overlooked a little bit. Like, I he's agree. a very, very good performer. He's fantastic, and I feel like people sort of... I, I get why, because Meryl is just... She is sort of like... Again, it's like with Sway. It's people he, like, shows her why. off very, very well. Yeah, he does show her off very he well. He knows exactly how to 
you know, Frame exudes her. a lot of charisma himself. Yeah. yeah. But it's like they were the first American dance team ever to win an Olympic gold medal. They've left a real impact. I miss them. Yeah. It's like, it's lot. an Olympic program. Like when you think of an Olympic program, that's kind of what you think of is like, it's, it's fitting that it happened with Shahrazad that they won Marilyn, the Olympic gold Charlie, medal. please come back. We need you. I mean, they you haven't officially die. retired. It could happen. True. If you're I listening. Can they please come back? Honestly, I would cry. <laughs> so for our grand finale, we have collectively decided on one program that we believe to be the most iconic of the 2000s. And that is? I mean, same Same It's same I mean, oh, what to say? Where to start? Can we just, just, okay, we will start on like the opening note of when the music when the program starts that look that's that his look breath on his face no no like, that's I his have breath that... on the recording yeah. even before the music start he deliberately put in his own breath and because that it just, calms him down it calms him down and it sort of helps him focus and that's just such he's like, again he's so that? calculated he's so calculated he knows what's gonna help him and the fact that he um he edited the whole the music himself the amount, it's just the amount of detail that he put into the construction, every single part of it, the choreography, the music edits, the costuming, you know, all of these things that he, pers- it was his passion project. He personally put in so much of his, um, into, of his soul into this program. Like you could really, really feel it, yeah. He met the actor from the movie. Yeah. Shailen Bourne watched the movie for him so she could get an idea of what he wanted to yeah, on the and it's just so representative of the Japanese culture, which he really, really wanted to, you know, portray. Japanese music is not that often used, or at all. No, really never used, used almost. in figure skating, and it's so representative of his culture, which is so minimalist. I think, you know, doing the most with the least. Uh-huh. And that's such that's such a bold move to sort of, you know, stray away from Western. Yeah, music, he knew which it was a risk. And it was a huge risk because if he strayed away from, like, for example, there is an entire segment which is just drums, right? There's just a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece. And using suspense. That could be so, that could, that's such a difficult thing to do to not have a musical to back you up, music, music to back you up. And he, he just went with it and you see it just it just it's so perfect and uh, it just you could see how much effort he put into it the musicality the you know just the, again step sequence the choreography uh everything is just phenomenal and the, yeah the choreo sequence at the end like always iconic me. It will... the hydra blade for yeah especially in the olympic in the olympic skate oh breaking my God. character just for a moment like right after his spin you could just see the smile like exuding like he you just could knew see him it. grinning and it's like he knew he did it and it was it was special who cares if it wasn't really in sync it, was, it, it didn't really matter that's another moment. thing that's another thing i wanted to add it's um despite the fact that it was not a perfect you know it was not a clean skate right he did he did stumble mm-hmm. you know his jump you know uh i'm uh, two There's of his the combo. jumps were and uh yeah we still just, remember it it's still it's it'll the hold most up memorable. the test of time 
It's still my favorite performance of that. Mine too. That well, program. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Same. It's my favorite performance from the. It's. It's just such a memorable performance because you see how you know the, the road to the Olympics, and all that he's been through, and the fact that everyone was just like, oh, he's not gonna win it, you know. He's not gonna be on the podium. It's... It really felt like a victory, like in every sense of the word. I think Brian Orser said it felt like a victory, not just because he won the gold medal, because he conquered himself. You know, he conquered the injury. He proved himself to everyone who was like, you know, he's not going to be able to do, you know, two OGMs, that's, that's, that's like, no not one's done it in 66 so years, and he's doing it with a recycled program, and he, you know, with he was water injured, like, three months ago, you know, he's not going to be on the podium, and then, just, just to win with that program It was perfect in its imperfections, I feel like that's the best thing. It, it there's something so fairytale-like about him winning with his passion project, you know, a program that he... He put, you know, it's in his blood, that performance. It's like every program, obviously, is designed to get, like, mm -hmm. the maximum amount of points it can get, right? But right. this is one of the few, I think, that felt like it was more than just a means to an end. Since the hosts wanted to talk a good deal more about iconic programs, not everything could fit into today's episode. Stay tuned for a bonus episode next week with the programs that we couldn't fit into today's. Alright, the next episode will be hosted by Tilda, Yogita, Gina, and Red, and they'll be discussing the proposed rule changes that may be approved by the ISU Congress, which, again, is June 4th through 8th, and will be live streamed on the ISU Skating YouTube channel. If you want to get in touch with us, then please feel free to contact us via Twitter at InTheLowPodcast or on Tumblr at InTheLowPodcast.tumblr.com. We're on YouTube as well. Just search for the In The Loop Podcast and you'll find our episodes there too. If you're listening on iTunes, please consider leaving a rating and a review if you if you enjoyed the show. Thanks for listening. This has been Kite. Iman. Lo and Cat. See you soon.